Good morning. Welcome to the Cowries and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, flying solo for the time being. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duru, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It's also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. I am incredibly pleased to say that we have someone on the pod whose entire professional life revolves around the China-Africa relationship, Mr. Liang Zhang, a travel consultant who brings Chinese tour groups to Morocco. I actually met Mr. Zhang here in D.C. at a networking event, and when I heard what he was doing, I just knew I had to get him on the pod. Zhang received a master's degree in design here in the United States, working in fashion in New York City, Taipei, and Hanoi. He spent over three years in Rabat, Morocco, and fell in love with the country, so he wanted to share his love with other Chinese travelers, crafting unique travel experiences with each guided tour. At this point, I want to go to Morocco with Mr. Zhang. It sounds like so much fun. Liang, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. Um, I'm delighted to be here with everybody uh, and sharing my experience, stories, um, with everybody. That is great to hear. You are part of an emerging group of Chinese entrepreneurs focusing on the service sector in the China-Africa relationship. How did you transition from fashion to travel consultant? How is business? How many of your countrymen and women are doing similar things? Well, this is a long story, actually. Um, I graduated from Drexel University in Philadelphia years ago. And then, so, um, I was doing fashion design for a network company in New York. And then I worked in Taipei for a large uh, Taiwanese fashion company. And then from there, I moved to Hanoi. I was working for a very high-end handbag, handbag design company. Until, uh, I think it was uh, year 2000, I had an opportunity to travel to Morocco for two months. And I immediately fell in love with the country. And then I was telling myself in the future, if I had an opportunity, I must come back to stay here or to live here for at least some years to see the country more, to understand the culture, um, and also enjoy the beauty of the environment, the mountains, the desert, the ocean. And so there you go. By year 2009, I had opportunity, and then I immediately made decision, no hesitation, and I moved to Rabat, the capital of Morocco. Since then, I lived in Morocco uh, until year 2013. So I was running my um, travel business, and most of my clients, um, they came from China. Um, these people, they either do business or some kind of uh, academic uh, context with Morocco and or um, you know some of them are 
well-traveled travelers, and they have seen Europe, United States, and you know many other part of the world, and they prefer to see something different. And so Morocco is certainly um, come to their um, list, and in China also we uh, all know. Uh, uh, this lady, her name is San Mao. She's very, very well known um, because her uh, books um, inspire many, many people. And one of the book was titled Sahara. Um, uh, this book was uh, all about her experience. And while she was living in Sahara with her lover, uh, He Xi, who uh, was a Spanish guy that she was falling in love with, and the story was truly amazing. And still, many of her followers um, still want to uh, come to Morocco just for that reason. And one of the very well-known songs called Gan Lan Shu, means olive tree, you know. So the words was written by San Mao, and we all know this song, we know her very well. So San Mao, the Sahara, the song, and was definitely part of the reason why so many Chinese now want to go to visit Morocco. The travel business actually is, uh, is quite slow at the beginning. Um, I'll tell you why. I'll give you two numbers. Uh, so in year 2013, there were over uh, almost a million Chinese went to visit France. And then to Morocco, there were only 7,000 to 8,000 people to go to visit Morocco. It, it is such a big contrast. And why? And number one, when Chinese think about Africa, the picture in their mind was about war, um, dirty, um, uncivilized, um, so disease, um, you know, conflicts and things like that. And that's scared Chinese, and so they prefer to go somewhere else. And I think that's understandable. Um, uh, very lately, the North Africa issue, like uh, Libya, uh, tu Tunis, yeah, and Egypt, and these unstable situations really keep Chinese away from Africa. And then so that's why I said uh, it's, it's tough to get Chinese to come to visit Morocco. Uh, but what they don't know is Morocco actually is a heaven and is, is away from those war zones. And also the country provides so much diversity and rich culture, beautiful food and very interesting architectures. Um, so, um, but you know, it takes time to educate these people to come to visit, to visit Morocco. Another reason, visa. You know, Morocco government uh, have not opened 
visa, visitor's visa to individual travelers. And they must go through some kind of travel agent to organize by the agent. And so the visa um, issue is very difficult and quite complicated than any other countries. May I ask, you are a fully licensed Morocco travel agent? I, uh, I work with a fully licensed ah, okay. Morocco travel agent. And are you allowed to get? Are you allowed to be one if, or if you're not a Moroccan citizen? Um, I'm, if once you have a, a Moroccan Morocco registered by the government, and you are fine, and um, and also uh, technically um, Morocco now at the moment they have uh, they have very good English tour guide. Any other languages uh, tour guide but not Chinese and so the government what the government do is now is they let Chinese um, tour guide to provide tour service without getting any official registered ID you know so um, therefore many Chinese they do that um, that's not an issue at all so um, I'm hoping through my story and many Chinese will come to Morocco to see these beautiful um, culture, um, mountains, desert and everything. From what I understand, um, there were a, a few uh, Chinese um, are doing similar business in Rabat and Casablanca. And uh, a few years ago, one Chinese restaurant opened in Rabat, and there are two Chinese uh, restaurants uh, based in Casablanca. And so the three, um, I know of three women, they married Moroccan men. Uh, they live in Morocco, and so their husband worked for the government in different fields. And so uh, they speak French, um, and some of them speak uh, very good Arabic, you know, fluently, you know, very surprised. And they married, uh, and they have kids, and then so they um, want to use their Chinese uh, advantage to uh, help these Chinese travelers who really, really need help when they are in the country and they don't know the culture, they don't know the language, as you can imagine, is very, very difficult. So that's the answer. Wow. Wow. That's such a fantastically in-depth answer that that uh, I really think makes our, our listeners sort of think and, 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 and hopefully makes them curious about about going to, to Morocco. It's definitely a country that, in terms of the wider China-Africa relationship, not a lot of people study. And so if any of you do want to study, you got to talk to Liang Zhang, because it sounds like he knows everybody who, and everything that's going on in the country. Yes, um, uh, during those three and a half years, I was leaving Rabat, and I traveled intensively just about every month. I had travelers and groups come to visit Morocco. I sometimes accompany them, um, only provide 
uh, guide service, and sometimes I, I have to drive as well um, with them, with a small group. What's the so, driving like? How does it compare to China? Uh, it's, it's definitely better than, than China, for <laughs> sure. But people behave differently. Mm. In the, um, the road condition is, uh, the, in the countryside, actually is very nice. And it's definitely not as crowded as you know, in China. There are so many cars on the road every day. And the population of Morocco is uh, a lot less. And so actually the driving condition is not bad at all. Terrific, terrific. Do you have to drive um, automatic or stick? Um, stick. Stick. Uh, I prefer driving stick car, actually. Oh. Um, this is how I started learning how to drive. And so I prefer a stick car, actually. Fantastic, fantastic. I don't know how to drive stick, but one day in the future I, I, I want to. Well, all right, back to the, to the matter at hand. Could you please give an example of a recent tour? What did you do? Where did you go? And what did your customers or clients think? My latest um, tour, actually, I organized for... Uh, American family, two lady um, with one mother's daughter, three of them were traveling around in Morocco for 10 days. Um, it was uh, their first time uh, in Morocco. They had a really great time. They posted many photos on their Facebook. Um, from the Facebook, I could tell, you know, they were excited. They were um, loving the culture, um, the accommodation I organized um, for them, um, food of course, um, so they had um, a great time and they so from what they told me they loved the country, they loved everything and then so um, they, I, for these 10 days program I uh, purposely designed Four imperial cities, which are uh, Fez, Meknes, Rabat, um, and Marrakesh, uh, and also um, the most um, exotic um, city, um, Esuela, on the Atlantic coast. Um, so they had a great time. Um, and then I'm currently having two groups are going over. Uh, one Chinese family from Los Angeles, she found me from a uh, website. Um, this time I'm going to fly over to meet her and her husband and their daughter. And they're going to have 12 days um, starting from December uh, 1920s. And so I'm having another uh, return customer. She and his wife had a, such a great time. And they love it. And he particularly want to do something different in Morocco this time. So I organized another 15 days um, travel itinerary for him. So there you go. And, and what are the sort of things that, that people are sort of looking to do in Morocco? How, how do you show Moroccan culture to somebody? Or what kind of restaurants do you line up for them? Well, give me the mindset that you have. Yes, um, Morocco is the country that uh, no similarity to the United States, no uh, cultures 
similar to your culture, to Chinese culture. People live in a different accommodation. They speak different language. They behave differently. Food is different. Architecture is different. Everything is different. That's why number one, why people want to see because they want they feel wow you know I'm in a different world, okay, and then you realize not only different but also very interesting, you know, interesting in terms of um, buildings, um, landscape, gardens, mm -hmm. um, food particularly, you know. Um, what kind of example, dishes are we talking about? Yes, here? I take them to local market mm -hmm. to see what is available in the market. Fresh vegetables, fruit. Um, and then um, I organized very unique uh, Riyadh uh, hotels oh. where people can actually experience homemade um, local uh, Moroccan food. Tajin um, lamb with prune tajin cooked mm. right there. Mm. Um, chicken, lemon, uh, couscous, best vegetable. Um, mm. Different kind of cooked salad. And then followed by um, uh, Bastilla is a type of uh, pastry um, wrapped with chicken and uh, almonds and uh, all kind of uh, spice which is you know very very delicious that that sounds amazing now I want to ask do you eat the couscous with your hands um, I don't but I, I know Moroccan do they eat every Friday and then so they're crazy about couscous every Friday about lunchtime and they rush off to their house and they have to eat mommy cooked couscous <laughs> not by anyone else. They always think that their mom's couscous is the best. So that's why in Morocco, um, very often the master chefs are women because um, kitchen work were considered a uh, woman's job. No, oh. man, no man you know, want to spend time in the, you know, in the kitchen. So that's women's world. Oh my God. It's considered. And um, if you go to a, a very good restaurant, I bet you 99% of the chef in that restaurant will be women. And um, uh, I remember there's a, there's a restaurant um, in Marrakesh called um, the Fasia, means woman from, Fas, from Fez. It's run by women operated by women, serviced by women, and cooked by women. And it's very popular, and food was phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Well, th thank you so much for, for going into that, mu into that much detail. Mm. I, one of the major critiques of Chinese engagement with Africans is that individual Chinese do not integrate into local society. That did not seem to happen in your case, though. What do you think about that critique? And do you think things are improving, getting worse, or staying the same? Um, I think Chinese, when they come to Morocco, um, they often refer to their own culture. Um, 
and so they often think about Chinese culture or art uh, higher than anything else. They have some kind of superior feeling. Americans have it them. too. Americans have and it too. So, um, and uh, so I realized that. And then so I have started educating them, you know. You do not have to compare these uh, culture to your own culture. And uh, Morocco, they created their individual, different, unique culture. And uh, you shouldn't use better or worse compare your culture. And it's different. And it's, in a way, it's also beautiful, just as beautiful as your own culture. And I give them details and I teach them how to enjoy the difference. What's the meaning of those symbols? What's the, the meaning of those shapes? How do people use their hand to create it, the, these art forms? Things like that. And then slowly they understand and they really appreciate that. And of course in the future, and I, I you know, from my education, I keep telling everybody, um, while my ancestor, you know, created the Summer Palace, the Forbidden City, at the same time, other race of people in other part of the world use their own hands, create a different art form, which is equally beautiful, and we just have to appreciate that. And so that's one thing I educate them. And second, food, Chinese, um, love to to um, eat Chinese even when they travel in another country and uh, I give you another statistic it's very interesting um, I uh, early on I told you there's almost you know a large number of Chinese go to visit Paris but actually 75% of Chinese who travel to France they never experience French food never and then a small number of Chinese only experienced once French food while in, there in France. Okay? And a very small number of percentage of Chinese, they eat more than once. And that gives you a very good example. Um, Chinese, they prefer to eat their own food. I can understand that. But when I t take these Chinese to tour around in Morocco, I like them to eat Moroccan food, no Chinese food at all. Oh my gosh. And then, that... so in the end, they, they love it. They really enjoy it. But this is, this is um, the travelers. You, I mean, most travel agencies, they organize set menus for these people, which is horrible. You know, three or four dollars per head. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Or not. You arrive in a restaurant, menu is already decided for you and bum 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 finish your leaf okay and this is not the way we should eat i take the chinese to go to a very nice local well-known restaurant handmade cuisine sit down order the best you know f um, their specialties they start eating slowly and finish the meal and they love it absolutely love it and this is the way how to teach them oh my gosh i that that is a, a a really fascinating a fascinating anecdote you gave because yeah 
I, you know, I, in, in my experience as, as well, um, Chinese, Chinese people generally don't eat foreign food when they travel. And it's understandable. And for you to convince people to, that everything is going to be foreign, everything is going to be Moroccan, is, is, um, is a really drastic change from, um, from my own experiences. Sure. Um, that's because I, I, I do not do large groups. Like when you have 50 and 60 people, it's difficult. You know, these people, what they eat, is rather difficult to look after um, everybody. Mm. And then, so when you have a small group, six people, eight people, and, um, and it's manageable, and it's a lot easier. Uh, take them to the local market and tell them how to cook certain dish, and then give them a general idea already. And when you take them to the restaurant, say, this is what I told you before, here is the product, the final results. And they can see that, and they definitely appreciate that. Oh my gosh. What is the most popular Moroccan dish amongst Chinese tourists? The one dish that when they try it, they're like, I have to get this when I go back to Beijing. Yes. I think the pastilla is very unique. Um, it's it's a very special. Um, a lot of Chinese, they refused to eat it at the beginning. Um, when I first told them it tastes a little bit sweet, and they said, oh my God, a sweet dish at the beginning for main course. But once they opened their mouths, stopped eating pastilla, and they couldn't stop, and then finished the whole thing. And that's um, unbelievable. And then so, because Moroccan dish, which is true, it doesn't, give you so many choices like uh, Chinese food, it only has limited like a few dish like pastilla, tajin and couscous. And then so therefore um, you must take them to a very good restaurant that really knows how to cook these limited dish to a very high uh, standard. That is phenomenal. It's And it's a really great way of, of looking at it and, and and I and I think yeah you, you you found you found a vision for tourism and travel that I think would appeal to a lot of people uh, well do you have anything that you would like to add before we sign off before we move on to recommendations yes um, well, I just want to um, you know use this opportunity to um, introduce the country again Morocco is truly an exotic destination. And um, I, from my um, experience, um, I can guarantee you will spend a fantastic and forgettable experience in Morocco. So do check my website. And we have, we are ready. We have a holiday coming up. Contact me. And let's sit down and work out a very special program, um, unique itinerary for you, you know. Um, so therefore, um, it's guaranteed you will have a great time. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for the plug. And he is going to give all his information at the end of the pod, so stay tuned. Could we move on to recommendations? What would you like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, there's a one book called White, uh, White Gold. Uh, this book was uh, about uh, uh, under the 
Mule Ismail region in the 1970s, he um, sent um, armies and soldiers to the sea and captured uh, foreigners, um, put them in prison in order to um, request a large quantity of cash from their own government. And so um, these people were considered white, white slaves. Um, and the prison uh, nowadays still exists and is in Meknes. And while before you read the book and then you actually visit uh, the capital at that time, Meknes, you could actually picture what things happened, how it happened, where he did all these things, which is quite amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's a, a, a really fascinating book. I hope to, to pick it up and, and read it. And of course, um, the restaurants, I have so many to recommend it. Um, in Rabat, um, Fez, um, uh, you know, uh, Casablanca and Marrakesh. Uh, you can write to me, to my email before you travel, and I am more than happy to help you out. While we're on the subject of your email, how do people find you? Could you give us a website, email, Twitter account, QQ number? I'm based in uh, Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States. Uh, my website is very easy. It's www.liangzhang.com. And how do you spell Liangzhang, just in case? Yes, Liangzhang is L-I-A-N-G-Z-H-A-N-G. So all in one word, liangzhang.com. Um, you can also search me on Facebook. It's also under my name, Liangzhang. Twitter, Liangzhang. And also LinkedIn, Liangzhang. Uh, my email is liangzhangkang at hotmail.com. Excellent, excellent. And I myself can be found on cowriesrice.blogspot.com. My Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R. And as usual, I've been tweeting a lot of China-Africa news. Our Translation Tuesdays have been getting a little more popular, and, and we have uh, been posting also some material from Hannah Ryder, who's the Deputy Director of the China Program for the UN, uh, the, the UN Development Program. Yeah, so we are making moves as well. And that is about it for today's episode. We would like to thank Liang Zhang, from here in DC, we are actually in his apartment. We've been generously been invited, and and we've been having this conversation in person, and it's been so wonderful to see him as he's speaking, which doesn't happen that much on this pod. Um, we would love to thank African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and we are also teaming up with WTND community radio from Macomb, Illinois to share our podcast. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care. <laughs>